Hello and welcome to the Coon Hunting University Podcast. This is your host, Tyler Duncan. And like always, class is in session. Hey y'all, so Coon Hunting University is brought to you by Superior Light Company, best lights in the business. If you don't believe me, go check them out, nighthunters.com. Use coupon code CHUPODCAST at checkout and receive almost $20 off Hellcat Max. But that code is good for any superior light on that website and the battery tester, which works with the Hellcat Max. So go over there and check them out. So today I'm joined by Mr. Paul Taylor. We're going to be talking about Michigan Swamp Rooster and the early years of Michigan Swamp Rooster. So you're going to have to bear with me on this because... This was the first time that I've ever tried to do a recorded phone call for an interview. Most of the time I use this app, which records each voice individually, so it comes out good. The audio does, even if they use just a regular little, you know, earbuds. But Mr. Paul didn't have access to a computer, and, you know, some people's old school, and I don't blame him at all for being like that. The audio's not great at all, um, but the content's great. So we're going to talk about Mr. Paul's story. We're going to talk about Swamp Bruce's early years. So it kind of turned out to be different than what I thought it was. Uh, we talked about a whole lot of stuff. Talked about a lot of offspring from Rooster. I put this out there on Facebook just to kind of get a feel for what people would think if we did do something like this. And it had a lot of positive feedback. So I said, well, you know, let me get with him. But I do plan on getting with Wyatt right as well. Whenever he gets an opportunity, you know, our schedules are crazy. And when we get a time lined up, and we're going to do that his interview too. And we're going to talk about the later years of Swamp Preacher. But I don't know when that is going to be so kind of just figured out going ahead and release this one kind of give y'all a feel for it it turned out good i think y'all enjoy it besides the audio being terrible you got to bear with me i'm sorry about that so mr paul's gonna be joining us on a phone call which is kind of weird for me so without further ado y'all sit back and enjoy mr paul if you could just tell me a little bit about yourself to start off with I'm from Pitch Creek, Kentucky. That's eastern part. I'm 75 years old. I worked in the coal mines two weeks. And I said, this is not for Paul Taylor. So I, <laughs> I left and come up here. And uh, when I turned 18, I got a job. Worked at Campbell Soup Company five years and went to General Motors and kept getting laid off. and work you six months, lay you off six months. So I quit there and went to National Can and stayed there 10 years till they closed up. Then I went to uh, International Automotive and that's where I retired at. But outside of that, I'm married and got two kids by my first wife and we got a divorce and married my second wife. We've been married 35 years and got two kids and they're grown up and gone. That's about it. Yes, sir. Well, that sounds good. How'd you, uh, how did you get your start into cane hunting? Well, my brother hunted and uh, just pleasure hunted. And I stayed with him for a while when I first came up here. And uh, yeah, I come to Ohio, uh, Defiance and Strucker, Ohio. I stayed there. I had a son that got killed by a drunken driver that was 13 years old, and that's when we ended up getting a divorce, and I 
moved to Michigan and met my wife up here. But uh, he had a little cur dog. And one night we went hunting. I worked at a gas station. Part uh, helped this guy when I was just a kid, and uh, I'd work part time for him. His buddy had a little cur dog we bought off him, or my brother bought it. Anyway, they uh, it was a bad night out. My brother and I took that little cur dog, and we killed seven coon that night. And them boys hunted some of them high-powered dogs all night and never treated a coon. So <laughs> we got a that guy. He told me he said, "Paul, I'll tell you what." He says, "I know where a night champion redbone is. That come from Fred Moran." He says, "I'll sell him. I'll get him for you for two hundred dollars, and I'll I'll buy him for you, and you can pay me back." I mean, back then, 200 bucks when you're a kid, you know. But anyway, that's what I I did. I I bought the dog off him. The dog was called Midnight Major. He was a pretty good hound. My brother and I only know two woods that we could hunt when we were up here. And he had a a cur dog. And uh, we killed 55 coon that season out of them two different woods. That's the only two woods we hunted. So we didn't know nobody. But anyway, I end up going hunting with Robert Johnson from Evansport, Ohio. And uh, I was working, married, had a job, had a good job. I went hunting with this big walker dog. He was out of Table Rock Flying Hawk. And uh, I seen him run a coon across Route 66 under a bridge and go about a half a mile and when he come treed I knew I had to have that dog so he had an overpowering mouth and a tree dog so <laughs> I bought that dog for $2,500 matter of fact Robert let me make payments on him and I brought him home and put him in six hunts and won six first place wins with him I called him Dripwood Rot. He was a wide hunting dog with a booming mouth. But anyway, I kept him for a while, and then I, re- I bred a female out of a, oh, Lord, Lupter Drifter. I bought a female of Leon Jones in Georgia, and he shipped her to me, and I bred her to Rock, and I got a night champion dog I called Dripwood Casey. And uh, raised him from a puppy, me and Charlie Clay from uh, Brian, Ohio. Owned him together. I made him night champion, and the dog broke his front leg. And we had it wheeled back together, and then he broke it again. And we was going to take that leg off, and he died on the operating table. So I had bred him to a little female of Norman's Coon Stomper or Miller's Joker. And uh, I had these had this litter of pups out in a building, and I took a, a fried chicken leg out there and hung it up over their heads, and they started treeing on it. I walked back to the house and got a phone call, and I forgot about the pups. And I walked back out, and it was real hot out. And I could hear this pup every breath it drawed. 
I walked in there and it had foam all over its head and it was treed on that chicken leg. So that's the one I kept and I called him Driftwood Boxcar Willie. And uh, made him Grand Night Champion, AKC Senior Night. Won the uh, three county PKC when that first started up with him. Fell out of a tree and broke his back. And after that, he, we we had him operate on at the Michigan State, but he didn't do him any good. So I gave him away. And I bought a big walker dog for $2,500 off of Dave McCullum. He was a housebred dog called JR. Nobody could break him open deer, but he was a powerhouse. He'd run a deer till he'd come across a cone and he'd switch. We won 23 or 24 straight casts in a row with a dog. And I sold him to Danny Holly and uh, Charles Dawson in uh, Tennessee. Then I had a night champion big walker dog called Dripwood Bullet. He was all housebred, booming mouth. We'd done a lot of winning with him. And he didn't really suit me. We'd done some winning with him, but he didn't really suit me because he was too trashy. Anyway, I was judging a, in the ACHA World Hunt. And I drawed Irver, I was judging Irvin Massengale. He drawed three high-powered walker dogs with a Grand Night Champion dog called Newson River Dooley. I'm telling you what old Dooley put on a show. He treed coon all over them dogs, made them look like started dogs. And I told Irvin I wanted an English pup. But years went by and I never got one. And one day I called him and Asked him, did he have an English pup? And he said, I got one out of Newson River Rambo and a Grand Night female that's Walt Rappel from Pennsylvania on. He says, uh, well, Paul, he says, how are you going to get this pup home? And I said, well, anyway, it was uh, Brain Classic, I think, was coming up, or the Winter Classic in Georgia or somewhere down there. I had a guy supposed to pick the pup up, and the guy didn't, didn't end up going. So I called Massengale, and he told me he'd uh, he tried to talk me out of taking it, and I told him, no, I need one. All I see up in here is blue ticks. So uh, anyway, he kept the pup and held it for me, and I think we went to another big hunt down south somewhere. I'm not sure where, but anyway, my buddy picked the pup up for me and brought him home. And that was, he didn't have no mouth and barked every breath day and night. So I give him away. The guy brought him back in two or three weeks and said, I can't stand this barking. He give him back to me. I give him to another guy and he, uh, he had him for a while and was going to shoot him and his wife wouldn't let him. I went over, found out where he lived, and went over there and asked if he could have buy him, and he wanted three hundred for it. He went, I went over there and found the dog, and he was a rack of bones. Skin looked like dead grass. I brought him home and tried to feed him, but he couldn't hardly eat him. Anyway, I took the I took rooster hunting that night, treated a couple coon up a bush. And I got one down. He stayed right with me all the way in there. 
And when he smelled that coon, he went berserk. I towed it up on a brush pile. And I'm telling you what, when he opened that mouth, I, he was hurting my ears. Anyway, I hunted him five straight nights in a row with a, with the old dog. I kept feed by him. And he run the fifth night out. He split from the old dog. I couldn't find a coon in either tree. Couldn't see in it. It was so leavy. Anyway, I thought if you're going to tree split, it's time to hunt you alone. So I took him out a night by himself, turned him down this lane, and before I could get the gun out of the truck, he was struck out in the middle of a big bean field. And I mean, I'm talking about sowed bean field. He was the best bean field dog I ever put a leash on. Man, I'm telling you, he could run a coon in a beans. Anyway, he run that coon out of there and I treat him in 12 minutes and 16 seconds from the time he, I cut him loose. I shot that sucker out to him and uh, it whipped him all over the place. He couldn't kill a coon. Anyway, from then on, I hunt him every night by himself. Wormed him out and fed him and took care of him. And I put my finger between his eyes and I told him, I said, boy, you make a coon dog or nobody else around you, I'll kill you. And he was the smartest hound I believe I ever put a leash on. I could take him to a hunt. We could be loose and I'd look at him and say, I need a shut up, buddy. He'd roll them eyes up at you, and I made him just fall in there and fall tree. I made him a night champion by the time he's 18 months old. I just I didn't hunt a hunt every weekend. I made him night champion, but I started breeding him hard. I held him up for a while and brought him back out and just bam, 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 ran night. One thing about small booster, he had a booming mouth and a low cater out of this room. And I mean, you never, never heard him tap a tree. When the dog lifted his head and screamed, you nailed him on the paper right then. He didn't tap. I, he's the only dog I've ever owned in my life that didn't tap trees sometimes. But Rooster would never tap a tree. And a layup dog out of this world. And I mean, I bred a lot of females to him and that Rooster was he reproduced a lot. There's a lot of good hounds around here that never got put in the hunts. I know a dog was about six, seven miles from me here that had two first place wins. They didn't even finish him out. Old pleasure hunters owned him. But that's a story on him. When you were saying you, you actually gave Rooster away, right? I gave him away twice. Yeah, I bought him back. Yeah, I bought him back when he was 10 months old. Yeah. Had never been hunted. I turned him. I had him. Uh, I had him run tree his own coon in five nights. And how did the uh, how did the rooster name come about? Well, I was hunting him in a swamp. He was still just a baby. Yeah, I was hunting him in a swamp. He was running this coon in a swamp, and he come out of that swamp. And when he located that coon. He'd give a big, that's the way he located. He'd give a big scream and I don't know what you would call it. Sound like a rooster, but three times louder than a rooster. 
and uh, when you thought the locator was going to end, it come back out with two or three right on top of it. And I said, well, there's no other name except Rooster. So that's how he got his name. How competitive would Rooster be versus dogs of today? Buddy, Troy Williams hunted the dog for me a lot. He lives not too far from me now. Uh, him and I campaigned dogs together. He was a good friend. Troy told me the other day, I seen him at Michigan Madness. He told me the other day, he said, if I had old Rooster, I'd destroy everything around here. Rooster was a, a walker dog and a red tick hide. And I ain't talking about a slick tree and edit. I'm talking about a dog that had the meat in the tree. And right now I got a 13, almost 14 month old male pup carries, uh, three grand night females and a grand night male out of swamp rooster in his fourth generation pedigree. He's got a booming mouth and has caught in bean fields. He's caught two coon on the ground in the last two weeks. I'll tell you one thing about this pup I got. I call him Timber Rooster. If old White Wright knew him, he'd be begging me for him, but he'll never get him. You you owned him, and he was a really popular stud, you know, even prior to Mr. White Wright buying him. So what made him such a popular stud in his time? Well, up here, people were breeding to him. They really weren't no uh, outside of Larry Wilcox's dogs. Everybody got jealous of him. And I had guys always writing stupid ads. And I finally got mad and wrote him mad and told him he wanted to bring his cur dog down here and get blown awake, bring him on. So he he was chicken out. But anyway, what what old Rooster was so great about, when he was young, he was a real top strike dog. But he got sick on me one night. I went out and he had green stuff running out of his nose. I, I don't know what happened to him. I made sure he had all of his shots and everything. But after I got him healed back up, got him well, he never struck as quick. He, uh, I think the dog might have lost a little bit of his nose or something, but he was smart. But I know one thing. They never made a layup dog as good as Swamp Rooster in this country. You could, I could be coming out of the woods with him. He'd have his knee right against my heel or right against my leg. I didn't need a leash on him. He loved me and I loved him. But anyway, he, uh, he let out a screaming squall and I'd about jump out of my boots. I'm telling you. And he'd stand up on his hind feet and just go over there and sit down on a tree. And there'd be a big coon laid up there balled up. The, the dog had something special. People about drove me nuts. I couldn't even take my wife out to dinner. The stud fee, I, I bred 29 females in one month time. I was getting high as 90 calls a day, and I was working a lot, too. Man, I couldn't even get no sleep. And White offered me a lot of money for him, so I sold him. That's just the way it was. So... When I had Mr. Tom Hopkins on the podcast, he was talking about Lipper and how he felt like Lipper was probably the most loved dog that ever lived and also the most hated dog that ever lived. Did you feel yeah. that great of a divide with 
Swamp Rooster? Yeah. All the English people was jealous. We went to English days, and they, they tried to cheat every one of us. I mean, they come up to me. I drove uh, Buster Two and uh, a dog, an English dog called Doc Holiday. I don't think Doc Holiday had lost anything. Anyway, anyway, <clears throat> the guys come up to me and said, "Boy, you're in trouble tonight. You drove Doc Holiday and Buster Two. And uh, I told him, I said, "Buddy, I don't care who I draw. We'll see how it goes." And a whole rooster smoked them. And I'll tell you something else. I drove Gene Hicks with a dog he won the winter classic with two years in a row. I mean, don't get me wrong, that black and tan was a coon dog. And uh rooster won that cast. On the last tree we split, Gene's dog pulled and went to rooster. But rooster was so loud, he'd pull dogs. But, you know, I had a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. I hunt. I still hunt. I got a little tough, tough little female and granddaughter Dawson. Total awesome. That's doing real good. Two years old. That's the only two dogs I got. Miss Paul, why was Rooster never collected while you owned him? I know what I didn't know much about. I didn't. I didn't know much about collecting dogs then. I really didn't know anything about it. And we were breeding him. We bred him so much we didn't have time to collect. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I about wore the dog out. What age did y'all start breeding him? I bred him when he was 14 months old. I bred him to a, a female I leased off Robin Hurl out of the fine so high. She was uh, Silvertone Hammer and Wilcock bred. She, uh, she was a pretty decent female, but... I was trying to come up with a female to breed to him at Woodtree Coon, and Robert leased her to me, and she ended up, she only had four puppies, a female and three grand night, or three males. Anyway, the female was definitely Tree Coon, but she was just kind of a walk dog. But the three males were hard wide hunting dogs. Uh, one of them made grand night, the other one was not champion with wins towards grand. And the other one, uh, I don't know where he went. I know that a boy up here owned him for quite a while, and he sold him, but he was definitely a coon dog. I don't know if they ever made him not champion or not. And I uh, I bred the second female with Sunny Bread, sold all the pups, kept one pup, and I gave it to a local kid, a young boy that liked to hunt, didn't have no money, and... Uh, he half took care of the pup, but he called me one day and wanted to sell him. He said he was about six or seven months old. He said he will go hunting and he'll tree a coon on his own. I said, well, let's take him hunting. Went down there and took him hunting. That pup split from the old dogs one night. I had a coon, and uh, I bought him off the boy, and Troy Williams was hunting him. Made him night champion. I had three, two or three wins towards Graham when we sold him. And the dog went on and made Graham night champion. Called him nighttime doctor. I think he ended up in Mississippi or Alabama or somewhere. Then I had a 
a dog called Rat, Tree Rat, that uh, we sold a white right. Um, we made him not champion, so I sold him the white right. And he kept him up here, and Jason Bryan made him grand night for him. He called him Lay Him Up Tree Rooster. And uh, a friend of mine, White, wanted to buy some dogs out of Rooster. Now, this was before he bought Rooster. He bought a female off in Chuck Dunlap, a tough little female. She was out of Rooster and uh, Loomis bred female. And I mean a house, a handful. And Jason Bryan took her and made her grand night champion in no time. And then he bought her sister, which are called Blue Misty. She was a night champion already, I think. And uh, we made her, uh, had three went towards Graham when he took her back down there. But he bought a, another female. I'm tr I can't think who he got her from, a female called Ghost. But Jason and I and Troy, we made her grand night for him, and he took her back home. I don't know. He had several grand nights he, that he young dogs he bought out of Rooster and uh, left them here for us to make grand night for him. Everything that I hunted out of Rooster, I'm a coon hunter, and I know how to train a dog. And everything that I hunted out of him made a decent coon dog. Some of them was better than others, but they made they all would run a tree of coon that I fool with. We had a young dog on him and a blue gray famous female called Big Red Bull. We made him Grand Night Champion and sold him to a boy in uh, West Virginia. He advertised him at Stud for quite a while. Ricky Davis was his name. Let's see, I made I got a pick a book here somewhere. I made 15, we made 15 Grand Knights and 12 Knight Champions. I mean, don't get me wrong, they all weren't part of them with Walker Dogs. You were talking about you're a coon hunter. You know, you know how to train a dog. Were you always a coon hunter first and a dog promoter second? You know, did you ever set out to be this big time stud dog owner that you ended up being? I always wanted a stud dog, yeah. Yeah. I had a stud dog in Boxcar Willie and. Willie was throwing outstanding pups, and uh, he broke his back, and we couldn't breed him to uh, come breed him to a female. He mixed his pee with his semen, and couldn't get no pups out of him. So I gave him away. But uh, I'm on good Walker dogs. I'm not knocking them. Did owning swamp roosters sour your taste for wanting to have another stud dog? Absolutely. I had that. I had a young dog out of Oklahoma that uh, I bought from David Minson. The guy that owned uh, uh, the rowdy dog out there. I bought him, for, I gave $7,500 for him. I called him Rockin' Rooster. David made him grand night. And we we bred him to, he was bred to three or four females, and he may have reproduced a good rooster, maybe better. This young man kept wanting to hunt him all the time, and I was so busy trying to hunt the other dogs. He took him one night and uh, they put a snow fell on the ground and he left my dog and found him dead in the road next day. He never hunted another one for me. So 
what does it mean to you personally to be able to look at all these English dogs nowadays and to see Swamp Rooster in so many dogs and talk about the impact that he had on the English breed? Well, I think Rooster has helped the English breed a great deal. There, I know there's jealous people out there, and the English people, a lot of them are jealous. A rooster really helped the English breed. If you if you really go back in the pedigrees on these dogs, you'll see that a lot of these hounds is out there that's being advertised as stud. They either got rooster's sister or a daughter out of rooster or a rooster in their pedigree. You know, but I never I, the trouble with the English breed, the jealousy has has hurt the breed bad. Here's a guy. Larry Wilcox, he's pushed his dogs for years, and Larry hunts a good hound, and Larry is a gentleman. I'm telling you right now, he's Larry has done a ton of work, and he has really helped the English breed. Jim Ridge, Jim has helped the English breed. Jim, when I was pushing Swamp Rooster, I talked to Jim a lot. Jim worked, he was not jealous. Neither was Larry. And then you got Urban Massengale in North Carolina. Urban's a good guy. Matter of fact, uh, the mother of this pup I'm hunting is out big iron. Ammo boys has really helped the English breed. I mean, and, we're, all, we're all getting old, but what can we do, you know? Can't turn the yeah. clock back. Do you still feel that jealousy towards Swamp Rooster today? that you did back then? Well, since he's gone, it ain't as bad, no. But back then, it was terrible. Yeah. See, when I run an ad, I'd put in there whoever would come and bred to the dog. I had 50-some people name a phone number at one ad. They'd come and bred to him to help them sell their pups. It's like everything else. You don't see the jealous people in the walker breed like you do the English dogs. Let me ask you this. Something I should ask you earlier. What year was Swamp Rooster born? Uh, 91, October the 4th. 91. So you sold him yeah. in 96? Yeah, I sold him when he was five years old. Were you still hunting him when he was five? Yeah, I was still hunting him. I did lay him up. For, I laid the dog up for 10 months one time. And you might know Shane Groves. Shane and Troy Williams was hunting in Packard Swamp, and I was on a railroad track back of Chuck Beck's. That's three miles across our way the crow flies. I know it sounds weird, but I'm telling you right now, you can. I got Troy's phone number here. Troy Williams, I drove around and run into them boys that night. Rooster treat a coon in that, in that woods. I drove around and I said, I hadn't hunted him for 10 months. I said, hey, Troy, I got me a new dog. You want to hear him go? Well, Troy says, I tr you got rooster, he says. I treat him three miles. He said, the way the crow fall flies, he says, when he located, I treat him. And Shane Grove said he did. And that's that's the truth, so help me God. He had that kind of mouth. At, at English days, Troy treated him at two, mi two miles and two-tenths away. 
the hunt was almost over and uh he was hunting him and he told them boy they said well we'll walk to him troy says the hunt will be over before we even get halfway he says uh let's just drive so they drove to him and he was two two miles and two tenths treed with a coon now rooster didn't have to hunt like that i mean he would if he couldn't find a coon but I treat, I treat a lot of coon with him. I don't care how bad it got. And I'll tell you something else. When he was 11 months old, George Bright, red bone female, and him split treed. We were hunting together. George Bryan's, that's Jason Bryan's dad, he uh, emptied his pistol of three or four rounds to shoot that coon out. He kept missing it with a pistol. We didn't have the rifle with us. He finally got that coon out and his red female fitted on the ground and Rooster was treated a hundred yards from him and that she was fighting that coon on the ground and he would not pull. I didn't even have him tied up. Coonhunting University is brought to you by Superior Light Company. Use coupon code CHU Podcast at checkout at nighthunters.com. If you're in the market for a new light, do not overlook Superior. They make the best light in the business. The Hellcat Max Flat Dark Earth Edition is awesome. Comes standard with the new and improved high intensity green laser. Comes standard with the newest design and dual walking light modules, offering the brightest walking lights currently available on the market, bar none. And it comes with your choice of red or true amber or double red color module technology. The Hellcat Max new module design reduces weight without sacrificing burn time or brightness, resulting in an overall weight of just 20 to 24 ounces, depending on your cap selection. The Hellcat Max offers the newest battery technology, which allows for five hours of continuous main beam burn time on the highest setting and over 10 hours of highest auxiliary light settings. All controls can be found on one easy nine positions click switch. And all superior lights come with a two-year warranty are made right here in the USA. So check out superior lights. Use coupon code CHU Podcast at checkout at nighthunters.com. Thank you to Mr. Jamie, Mr. Sam at Superior Lights for supporting Coonan University Podcast and making this podcast possible. So I ask all the listeners, if you could, please go over there and support Superior Lights. Use the exclusive discount code that is only available to Coonut University podcast listeners, CHU Podcast. Superior, step up to the max. Now, back to the show. They don't make full-pressure tree dogs like that no more. Sure, they stay they stay put, but you shoot a coon out close by. I shot coon out 50 feet from him before, and he wouldn't pull. I had coon hunters tell me, you're going to earn him. I said, well, I'm going to earn him. He ain't going nowhere. He would stay treed. And when the dog located, he was treed. They weren't none of this pull garbage. You can ask White Wright about him, how what a pressure tree dog he was. What traits do you feel like Swamp Rooster instilled the most in his pups? Well, I think that... Uh, if you bred a good female that was a good strike dog and stuff, you got more bounced dogs. Rooster got tight mouth when he got older, after he got sick. I mean, not real tight mouth. He'd open good, but he was he didn't strike near as fast. In a bean field, 
I mean, you, I, up here where they sow these beans, you have dogs that uh, will run all night and can't get a coon out of a bean field. Swampfresher definitely would get them out of a bean field. They either got out or got caught. And this old puppy I got the same way. <laughs> I wish he wouldn't catch them. But he'll catch a coon in a bean field. He'll catch one in a corn field. I don't need that. I need him to... That, that don't that don't help a young dog getting them catching coon on the ground. Don't help them at all. These guys that climb up and shake tree coon out to dogs, let them rerun them. All they're doing is hurting their dog. So you live in Michigan now? Yeah. 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 I live I out. I just live out of Ohio, a little piece into Michigan. Okay. Yeah, there's some good coon hunting up there. Oh yeah, I I had a little. I have bought a uh, I bought a big off from Junior Davis, big red tick female out of uh, Main Street Dano or something like that. She had rooster in her pedigree, and she had the rooster mouth, a big female. I made her night champion that tree went grand night on her, and uh, I sold her to uh, Steve Colbert down in uh, Chillicothe, Ohio. Man. I don't know. He ended up selling her to the guy. Uh, he ended up selling her to the guy. Raised her from a puppy. But she was a good one, too. You pretty much only hunt dogs off of the Swamp Brewster line now, right? Yeah, I got, uh, well, my little female's out of total awesome, but she's out of, both my dogs out of the same female. I bought this pup off Mervyn Massengale, a big orange. And uh, we made her night champion, and uh, I bought two of them. One of them was solid on track, and I give him to a bear hunter. I can't stand that. And uh, anyway, he uh, he opens on bear, and probably one of the best bear dogs in the state of Michigan. But this little female is out big horn, and uh, we bred her to went out and bred her to a little big horn and dog out and. Uh, Missouri, and that's what this pup I'm hunting out of. That's awesome. You're talking about Larry Wilcox, isn't? Now Swamp is out of those Wilcox dogs, isn't? He's out. He's out of Massengill's uh, Rambo dog, and out of a Grand Night female out of Wilcox's bloodline. Yeah. Yeah. So he did he did Larry Wilcox come and breed to Swamp Rooster? I think. I think they did somebody uh, one time. I think he bred the rooster. He had a he had a, a dog out of him. He said was tough, really tough, and he got him killed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Larry Larry don't say much. Larry is quiet. You never hear him talk about his how good his dog is or nothing. Larry is a completely gentleman, and he's done wonders for the English breed. Even in the hunts, you see Larry sitting off by himself. He don't say much. Yeah. Huh. That's amazing, ain't it? Yeah, he won the UKC World Hunt one year. Yeah. With, with Top Gun. That's a coon dog, too. And the Tybo dog was outstanding how. Matter of fact, my buddy's got a grand night over here out of old Top Gun right now. I calls him, calls him pride. Larry... This dog, Grand Night Champion, and 
This this guy's a friend of Larry. Larry gave him that Grand Night Champion dog. He sure did. Larry gave that dog to him. That's the kind of guy Larry Wilcox is. A good man for the English breed. Yes, sir. He sure sounds like it. I've never met him, but I've heard some really good stuff about him for sure. Yeah. Now, do you believe that there will ever be another English dog that will compete with Rooster as far as puppies? I doubt it the way the world is now. People ain't hunting like they used to. It would be have to be something that really got really hot and reproduced on dribble, you know. Yeah. Well, but, uh, I know something that I kind of noticed between, you know, Lipper and Swamp Rooster was how young they were bred to begin with. Yeah. You know, Lipper was bred 11 months old, Swamp Rooster bred 14 months old for the first time. Yeah. I think uh, I had a little dog here called Cherokee. I made Grand Night. He was outstanding, and I mean outstanding. He was a great-grandson of Swamp Rooster. Looked like a rooster, but uh, didn't have a big mouth. I mean, tree, and we bred him to three or four females. His pups weren't no good, and uh, well, that's why I never put him at stud. He just didn't reproduce. So you don't fool with something that don't reproduce. I'm telling you right now, the little dog, he he lost one cast to make Grand Night Champion. And uh, back then, we had plenty of dogs in the hunts. It ain't like it is now. I mean, sure, you go to your big PKC money hunts, you're going to draw a lot of dogs, but uh, nothing like it used to be yeah. in UKC. You know. But tonight, I won first place with Rooster. Was at the uh, one of them big blue tick sectionals. I think there was probably 90 dogs there. He scored 1,225 plus an hour and 20 minutes. And I told that boy that was judging me, I said, put me somewhere that there ain't no coon, because I don't want people saying I cheated to win this hunt. And he put me in a swamp, and they run. <laughs> They run this coon the full time and caught him in the swamp, killed him. And that's the only time I've ever said, come here, rooster, and he come right to me. Because he would always get trebes before that. But he would, <laughs> he, he'd come out of that swamp or out. But they caught that coon in the swamp and killed him. I didn't get a score on him because I couldn't find the coon, but I heard him killing him. Yeah. So he seems like he was a real good track dog, but he could also lay them up too when he wanted to. Yeah, he was a good track dog. He would he would definitely lay them up. Now when he was a about two years old, he had trouble in these cornfields. But I called her Messingale. I told him I says uh, that's where I bought him. I says uh, does these pups do they bug down some in cornfields or what? And he says uh, Paul. He says. Give him a little bit of time and you'll find out. So it weren't long he could smoke one. He just had to get the hang of it, I guess. And, but in a bean field, he was the most overpowering bean field dog I ever seen. Yeah. I got one here right now that runs coon in the beans like Rooster did. But, I mean, don't get me wrong. He's, he's, he's treeing coon, but he's not what I call a coon dog yet. Yeah. But he, he will be when I finish him. What, um, what was your most memorable hunt with Rooster? Lord, I guess PKC Michigan State. 
the deal was I took Rooster to the vet and had him checked. And he told me, he said, he's got heartworms. And I says, what? He's been on preventative all of his life. He said, he's got heartworms. So he treated Rooster for heartworms for about four or five days. And anyway, on the fifth day, he called me back and he said, Paul, he said, I apologize to you. I was wrong. My machine showed everything heartworms, and we got a new machine, and the dog don't have heartworms. That same night, I ended up taking him into Michigan State Championship, PKC. And uh, we had to go all the way into hunt him all the way all the, through the week, and I ended Sunday. I had to hunt him Sunday night. I drove this walker dog who never lost a cast. He was a tough hound. I drawed him, and man, I'm telling you what, they just split, split, split. I beat the dog, and the dog hunting, I had to go back again, the second cast, and go get him again for some reason. I don't know what the deal was. But anyway, well, man, we were just split. He'd say, here's my coon. I'd holler down up to judge, here's my coon. And uh, I ended up beating the dog. I had both ends on him on the last tree, and that's where I beat him. He was a tough walker dog, absolutely. Now, when Rooster was 11 months old, my buddy bought a dog off him, uh, Bob Harvey for $7,500. He later sold a dog to Curry Rooks, Brooks in uh, Georgia, owned them places where he took care of dead people. But anyway, he called him Fantasy Bud, and old Bud would miss, and this pup would be sitting over there with a the coon. Oh, Dave, he couldn't believe it. Dave McCullen owned him. But uh, Rooster was accurate. I mean, when you when you look up trees, you've seen coon. I'd say he was 90% accurate, maybe even more. What age did you really start promoting him as a stud? You said you bred him at 14 a month old. What age did you really start putting ads on him? And, you know, did, the, did he get really hot? Yeah, he got hot from the first ad. There was no English dog out there with a pedigree like Rooster had. I don't know. Sure, Larry bred a lot of females. He just got hot. Everybody loved the boys that hunted with him, and and they still talk about him. I go to these hunts. They'll come up to me and say, boy, I remember old Rooster blowing him away down at that hunt when he was 11, 12 months old. I mean, don't get me wrong. This puppy I got's not. He's got everything Rooster had. He just he got to put it together. I don't know if he'll ever be the extreme pressure tree dog rooster was or not, because from the time he started treeing, he didn't pull. He just absolutely would not pull. But I want to I thank Urban Massengale for selling him to me. Old Urban's been good to me, and I thank Urban and Larry Wilcox and Jim Ridge for helping the English breed. There's more English people out there, too, you know, that's good people, but there's a lot of jealous, too. Yeah. Well, Mr. Seth Fish, he's the one that gave me your number. I'd like to thank him while we're thanking people. Oh, did he? Yeah, he gave me your number. He wanted me to tell you hello. I want to thank him while we're while we're on here. Absolutely. You know, he yeah, is, uh, that's one I about forgot about. Zeph's had some good hounds. He's done. I bred to the buck dog once. No, I bought a pup out of him. He was smart as a whip. So before you get off here, I'd like to cover one more thing with you. I want you to go through why the age that you sold him at, who you sold him to, and just why did you sell him in general? You know, I mean, he's hot. You're making money on him, obviously. 
you know, breeding 30 females a month to him. What went into selling him? Well, I went into selling because I couldn't get no sleep and I didn't want to get my job up. And I couldn't, I couldn't even sit down for supper and eat for people. I ain't knocking the boys, you know. They're they're a lot of good people and a lot of. Uh, sometimes they're supposed to show up and don't, but things happen. And uh, I hate to say anything bad about anybody, but I will say this: I think the English breed, the people in the English breed, need to get over their jealousy, and their breed will go get a lot better. But that's that's one thing that back then when I had a rooster that really, I mean, they'd, they'd come up to you and just be nasty about things, but it didn't bother me that much. I knew I'd draw them sooner or later. I even had a boy come up to me and say, uh, I was winning with a rooster and, uh, this guy, he'd come up and tell me, well, I come in with eight, nine hundred plus, you come in with a thousand, twelve hundred. Why don't we, uh, bet a hundred dollars and just, uh, withdraw these dogs and go out and see who's the best? I told him, I said, buddy, why don't we just put a thousand dollars on it right now and go out and see who's the best? He backed down. But when I went to the Ohio State Championship, I drawed him and the rooster smoked him. And the guy ain't spoke to me since. That's jealous people. But there's a lot of good people out there. Seth Ish a good guy. Jim Cridlin in uh, Jonesville, Virginia is a good guy. He's done a lot. He had that Grand Night Champion Swamp Rooster dog uh, called Swamp Rat. That was a good hound. Old Jim used to come up here and hunt with me some. He come all the way up here and bred the rooster. Bruce, like you were talking about all these English people that are bad mouth. So then again, I reached back to Mr. Tom. He well, people that were jealous of Lipper, you know, they would bad mouth him, but they would jump at the chance to get a good Lipper puppy. Was it the same way with Swamp Rooster? They would bad mouth him, but they jump at the chance to get a puppy off of him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Aim and my handlers. If they draw it out with him, maybe even scratch them uh, over nothing or try to minus them over nothing. I mean, it yeah. was it was unbelievable. These people, you know, they hurt to breed when they're jealous like that. I mean, I've never been that way. I believe that a man should uh, try to improve his breed. If if these boys had something that I liked, really liked, I'd go breed to it, or I'd buy a pup out of it, because you gotta you gotta think that way. If you're gonna do any good with your bloodline, but yeah. the reason I sold reason I sold rooster was the money, and the uh, white cap aggravated me wanting to buy the dog every night or every day before I went to work. I worked second. Anyway, he uh, he would call me every morning wanting to buy the dog, and I finally told my wife. I said I'm gonna price this dog so high that he'll shut his mouth. When I priced him, he told me, he said, I'll I'll have a man on the road in an hour to get him. And I called him back and told him I backed out. If he didn't care, I'd back out. I gave him my word and I asked him. He said, yeah, we'll wait. So a couple months later, he, he kept wanting to buy him. 
so I pressed him so high that I thought he would uh he would back out, but he didn't back out. And believe me, I was sick of selling my dog. He paid a lot of money for the dog, and I was asked not to say what he paid for him. So, yeah, and I, I understand, but it must have been a heap of money. You sound like you really love that dog. Was he your most favorite dog you ever owned? I would say uh, I had dogs close to him. I had a Walker dog called Driftwood Box Square Willie, but and I had that Jr. dog. He was trashy, but he was Jr. was probably one of the winningest dogs ever went in the woods. We won 23 or 24 straight casts in a row under three handlers with the dog before I sold him. He was smart too. He was a big blanket back, black-headed Walker dog. He, uh, Danny Holland and Charles Dawson come up here and wanted to hunt the dog. And we'd go hunting. I was sitting at the table and I said, when you take him off in the tree, get him in these big woods where the oak trees are. When you cut them loose, them dogs take off. You might see him go out there about 10 feet or 15 and just stop. He'd stop, sniff the air, turn his head to the left, turn his head to the right, and just walk down in there and come treed. He was a good open dog on track, but he'd just walk down there and come treed and have a cone. And I told them boys that, and they about they were laughing as hard as they could laugh at the table. They thought I was lying to them. I took them out there and proved it to them. If you know Danny Holly from Tennessee or hear of him, he runs PKC or used to. He'd tell you the same thing. But he would run a deer, and if a deer went across the lake, he would swim the lake after him. But if he run a kind of cross coon track, he'd switch. Danny told me he hunted him in Tennessee or Kentucky. And he struck a deer and treated, treated a coon in the other state. <laughs> he, he would definitely run a deer. But I'm on yeah. some good hounds my time. I think what's hurt the walker breed is the tracking power. I think they're hot nose. They miss a lot of coon. Now you get certain boys that straighten them out. Yeah. Well, Mr. Paul, I do thank you for coming on here, man. I really do. And I know people are going to like this, you know, hearing the story, being told. Well, uh, yeah. you have anything else you'd like to say for, before we sign off here? I just wish everybody would not be jealous of the ever breed and enjoy them more and try to try to improve the breed more. There's a lot of good boys out there and that's uh, working hard at it, so... I'm proud of them. I know I'm getting old and can't hunt like I used to, but I, I wish them good luck. Yes, sir. And I, I, like I said, man, I thank you so much for allowing me to do this interview and taking this time out of your day. I really do appreciate it, Mr. Paul. Okay, buddy. You take care. Yes, sir. You too. Yeah. Bye. Bye. I really hope y'all enjoyed that interview as much as I did. If you like what you heard here, go on over to Facebook. Give us a like, at Coon Hunting U. Also, go to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and a review. It really helps us out. And remember, if you need a new hunting light, do not overlook Superior. They make an awesome light, best customer service in the business. Man, their walking light and double red is the brightest I've ever seen. 
Use coupon code CHUPODCAST at checkout at nighthunters.com. You can find the link in the description box below this. Coon Hunting University is a product of Audio Hound Productions. Until next time, y'all have a wonderful day.